Hi, this is Jeff, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm glad you've chosen today to listen to our podcast, to tune into what God is doing here. I hope this encourages you. I hope it enriches your life. I hope it causes you to draw even closer to Jesus. Enjoy. I want to talk a lot about today, posture, posture. Talk about the way in which we come into the presence of God. We're in the midst of a sermon series, week two of the series. I've moved on, and we're talking about worship, talking about our posture. 93, I was close. 93% is nonverbal. Some of this we're going to talk about today is very verbal, but as we've talked about starting a couple of weeks ago, last week I kind of veered off a little bit, but um, we've, we're talking about in worship that worship is so much more than the songs we sing. I'm thankful for that aspect or that expression in worship. I love that a majority, or for me at least, a lot of worship is singing. I, I love that. And some of you might be like, I wish I could sing better. Uh, I wish, I love to sing. How many of y'all sing in your car? Come on and get after it. How many of you are that person that we look at and take Snapchats of? And be like, look at this bozo right? That's me. I've probably been Snapchatted before uh, by someone else looking at me going, they're having a good time, right? I love that we can sing. And, and uh, I've, I've talked to people that are like, I love to sing so much. Why didn't God give me a better voice? But um, I've, I've been there. Why didn't God give me a better voice? But uh, I love that we can worship that way. But so much of our worship is beyond words. So much of our is beyond worship, uh, singing. I'll get it right here in just a minute. So much of our worship is beyond singing. It's in our everyday lives, our everyday actions, our everyday encounters with people, with uh, what our life should be an aspect of worship. So today in our posture, I want to talk about this, that there is a correlation between worship and the presence of God. You might say, well, I want to encounter, I want to experience, I want to know the presence of God in my life, I want to encounter Him on a regular basis. And, and there is a great correlation of, of the corporate encounter here. I think many of us would agree that the greatest encounters with God that we have throughout the week would stem from our Sunday morning and our Wednesday nights. And I love that those are great places of encounter, but I would love even greater if we would say throughout the week that we have incredible encounters with God. I would love that if throughout the week your encounters or your stories of encounters with God were more than just how awesome was that song that we sang today, and it was, did you hear or can I tell you about what happened to me Tuesday afternoon when I opened up the Word and I began to seek God? Or can I tell you about Thursday afternoon when I was doing this at work, but I was doing it under the glory of God and his presence showed up and I began to do something that was only because of the power and presence of God through my act of worship in what I was doing. A lot of what I'm talking about today, we can apply on our daily walk, we can apply in our personal connection, but majority of it has a great connection to the corporate, to the gathering that we call Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. If you'll look with me, a lot of this should be on the screen at Second Chronicles 7, 1 through 3, and this correlation with corporate worship 
and the dedication to the manifest presence of God. Chronicles 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 3 says, As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Stay right here. Catch up what's going on. Do you see the picture of what's taking place here? As soon as they finished prayer, fire came down from heaven and it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. As, as I see this picture of what's taking place here, I can only imagine what is happening when we come in corporately and, and we're encountering God and we become the living sacrifices of praise unto Him. And we are this burnt offering as we begin to burn with passion in our expression of worship to God. And in this, what would happen if the fire, the all-consuming fire of God were to come, this glory of the Lord would come and fill this place. What would that look like? We've had glimpses of the presence of God. We'd have moments of goosebumps and times at which we want to express in a greater capacity. But what would it look like if the presence of God truly manifested in this place and verse 2 took a residence in here. And the priests, we, if you'll learn from two weeks ago, we learned that we are the priests. We are the ones that come to offer up to God. And at this point, we could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled this house. What, it would, be, what would it be like if the presence of God was so thick in this place that we could no longer function in our own we had to just get on our faces before him because of the weight of the glory of God in this place. You see, I long for that day in which our encounters with God are greater than an emotional moment, but they become a spiritual connection with God that takes us even to the next level beyond emotion. And verse 3. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, look at this, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and they gave thanks to the Lord for, and for, for, gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures. There's something about the presence of God that enables us to encounter his love. That's what I want. When we get into his presence, there is a demonstration of the love of God that we cannot seem to describe. We are overcome by the moving of his compassionate love towards us that causes us to encounter something that we wouldn't otherwise know. That's why somebody who's never known a good father can look to him and say he is a good father and can relate to him as father because he's the perfect father. That's why somebody that has never had any kind of authority in their lives can encounter the presence of God and say, I can, I can submit to this authority. That's why somebody can walk into this kind of a setting and discover that in their absolute addiction they can be set free. They can walk in absolutely jacked up and, and absolutely in that moment, I said absolutely several times, in that moment they can find sobriety. 
You see, it doesn't take a 12-step process. However, 12-step processes are wonderful. But it's in the, the bona fide, the incredible encounter with the love of God that we are set free. We are healed. That's why two weeks ago I said it's in worship that we learn about the prophetic. It's in worship that we learn about His Word. It's in worship that we learn about all of the characteristics, natures, and the gifts of God that He has for us. Because really, the thing that we need to know the most is His love. And then when we know His love, then we begin to manifest things about Him towards other people and for other people. We begin to know His heart for someone else, and so we can prophesy and have words of knowledge. We begin to know His desire for somebody to walk in perfect health, and so our faith is built up, and we can lay hands upon the sick, and the sick will recover, not because of what we contain in our own ability, but because of the love of God and the revelation of the love of God that we've walked into. But it's in this worshiping and giving thanks that we encounter that He is good and that His steadfast love endures. Look at Psalm 100, 1 through 5. We've been looking at this, and we'll probably look at this several times throughout this series. And it says, A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is good. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. That word praise is this word tehillah. We're going to look at that here in just a little bit. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. And we discovered Wednesday night, just by chance, it was an accident that as we looked at this entering His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise, that it wasn't so much about a, a, a username and password. That's kind of how we've looked at it, that we, we don't enter His presence until we praise and thanks. But we discovered that that's the way, not, not, not the how-to, but it's what happens to us as we enter His presence. It's the expression that comes upon us because of what His presence is doing and because of what we are entering into that praise and thanksgiving takes place. So I'm going to take just a few minutes or several And I want to look at seven postures that we take up in worship or through praise. John 4.23 says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers, and I want to declare in this place that I may not have arrived, but I'm sure working towards being a true worshiper. It says, When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. Understand this, God is not looking for worship. He receives worship, but He is looking for worshipers. You see, God is relational. Everything about God is to have a tangible connection with you. It's not so much about what you can give Him. It's every bit about you coming to Him. God wants you, the worshiper. What comes from you is worship. But if He doesn't get the worshiper, the worship doesn't show up. Does that make sense? God is looking for worshipers, not worship. And as believers, we're called to worship God as it's described here in the latter part of John 4.23 in spirit and in truth. But you might be asking some questions or may be wondering, how can I worship God? 
You mentioned earlier, the, and you talk about it all the time, the Tuesday, Thursday, the, the Monday, Friday, the Saturday. How do I worship God daily? How can I worship God at home? How can I worship God wherever I am? Well, the simple thing is you can. And it's a very powerful spiritual exercise in a believer's life. And it's just that. It's an exercise. It's like a muscle that we've got to build up. And when I work with with uh, people that are wanting to develop this, this encounter with God, when I work with worship teams and worship leaders, developing them outside of the, the written, planned, rehearsed song into the unrehearsed, much like what happened uh, today coming out of um, Reckless Love, that unrehearsed moment of worship. One of the things that happens, that, that doesn't just happen. That is like a muscle that's developed over time. When I meet with somebody and they're like, I want to get into a time of devotional connection with God where I can spend hours encountering His presence of God. You see, it starts with five minutes. You can't go out of nowhere, cold, uh, cold turkey is not the right word, but out for the very first time desiring to get in shape and run five miles. You can't get out probably and run one mile. I thought I was going to get out and run a mile and I couldn't run a block. You see, you start with a block, and then you run a quarter mile, and then a half mile, and then you get into five miles. And it's the same way with worship. You, the important thing is you start. You start, and you might go from five minutes to five hours, and you might go from five hours to being like Paul. And he says, I pray always. Pray without ceasing. He says, I, I pray more than you all when he refers to praying in the Spirit. It's a muscle that we're building up and that we're working out. But we are called to this place of worship. It's a vital role that the Israelites experience. They saw it when winning their first battle and encountering the promised land in Joshua 6. It was instrumental in Paul and Silas as they sang praises and found themselves in Acts chapter 16 being released from prison. It reflected in the thanksgiving and heartfelt praises of God through the people in 150 Psalms. It's repeated, uh, repeatedly allowing them to express their nagging fears, their miraculous feats, and their enduring faith in Him. So these are the examples. And more show up when God people, God's people show up to worship in spirit and truth. What does worshiping in truth mean? The first step is understanding how to worship is recognizing whom to worship. We worship the Father in the Spirit and we worship Him in the truth. When we worship in truth, we don't just worship empty philosophies. Think about that. We don't worship empty philosophies. When we worship in truth, we've got to understand that He is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. We don't come in empty philosophies that come from the world's way of thinking. I love it when somebody says, well, this is what I think. No, this is what the Word of God says. The Word of God is absolute truth. And my opinions cannot supersede what the Word of God says. Do you understand what I just said there? I I don't care if what I believe counterdicts what the Word of God says. The Word of God is still the ultimate authority. What you think you believe, and if it's contrary to what the Word of God says, what you think you believe is false. The Word of God is absolute truth and absolute 
authority. Colossians 2.18 says, or 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the element, elemental spirits of this world, and, and not according to Christ. This is truth. Skipping one chapter over to Colossians 3, 16, 17, says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Look at how. Richly. What does it do? It's teaching you. It's teaching. It's admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. Listen, this is how this is how we do it. This is how we worship God on Tuesday. This is how we worship God on Saturday. This is how we worship God will throw on a hammer. And this is how we worship God will baking. And this is how I worship God will typing on a computer and driving around in a police car. This is how we worship God. Do everything in the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. One of the things we have got to understand in worshiping Him in truth is we do not think the way He thinks. I promise I'm going to get to these seven ways that we worship. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just trying to get you ready for them. We don't worship or we don't think the way He thinks. That's why we've got to get His truth in us. Isaiah 55 eight says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. It's not enough to know the truth or know about the truth. We must know the truth. His name is Jesus. How do we know the truth? When we know the truth, who is Jesus, we'll express ourselves in certain ways. These aren't trained. Check this out. These aren't trained modes, but ways we have seen from examples in the Bible. Okay? I'm going to show you some examples in the Bible. This isn't just something that we do because... It was done. It's not something we... We don't lift our hands in worship because somebody in the church was lifting their hands in worship. We don't lift our hands in worship because it was a good idea. There's a biblical precedent set as to why we lift our hands in worship. We don't shout out loud at the goodness of God because somebody next to me got overzealous and excited. We shout out loud at the goodness of God because there's a biblical example that tells us this is how we praise Him. So the Bible outlines seven different, seven different types of pray or worship using the word praise. The thing we've got to understand about English versus the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, is their words have multiple words for our one words. So praise, we've got praise. They had seven different words for praise with seven different meanings. You following me? So we translate the word praise because for us to write it probably out, it would be like 84 different words. It would take like extra paragraphs. So the the translation of praise might mean to kneel, but we use the word praise. The translation, the word praise used in scripture might mean to shout out loud. They use the word praise. The word for praise might be sing a new song unto the Lord. It's an inside joke. We'll get there in a minute. You'll you'll join in the inside joke because I have to now. The word is praise. So the first one we're going to look at is Barak. Barak. 
Now, we're not going to use these words. You don't have to memorize these words. You just need to understand the application, the expression attached to this word praise, Barak. This is to kneel, to bless God, to bow down. Do you see the, the, the picture here? Do you see someone down on their knees worshiping God, blessing Him, bowing down, surrendering before Him? Psalm 72, 12 through 15 says, He will rescue the needy person who cries for help and the oppressed person who has no one's help. He will have pity on the poor and needy and will save the lives of the needy. He will rescue them from oppression and violence. Their blood will be precious in his sight. May he live long. May the gold from Sheba be given to him. May the people pray and pray for him continually. May they, there's this word, the word is praise, but we understand it as barak him all day long. May they kneel, kneel down. May they bless God. May they bow down. What a great precedent on how we express. I I came this close during one of the songs to getting down on my knees, but then I realized that how am I going to sing into the microphone that's all the way up here if I'm all the way down on the floor? Every week, she's like, I just want to do this. But that doesn't work so well. It's really hard to press the... uh, Sustain pedal when you're on your knees. The next word for praise we're going to look at, halal, H-A-L-A-L. This is to be clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, to celebrate. This is to be clamorously foolish. And how many of you immediately thought of me? This is the expressive, exuberant, loud, violent type of praise. This is when we come in here and I say, let's shout to God. This is when I expect, not expect you out of force, but expect that someday to look out and see everybody going nuts in the room. This is when a, a, a wild celebration takes place in the room because of the revelation of who God is. And we see this from First Chronicles 16. 4. It says, David appointed the following Levites to lead the people into worship before the ark of the Lord, to invoke his blessing, to give thanks to, the word is praise, halal the Lord, the God of Israel. Halal, this word, it appears, check this out, more than 110 times throughout the Old Testament. Our word hallelujah comes from this word, halal, is the base of that. Can you imagine a more wondrous noise raving about the Lord and all that he has done? The halal, the the goodness of God, to go nuts, gangbusters, whatever you want to say about Him, to be absolutely uninhibited in the presence of God and praising Him through halal. It's probably one of my favorite things as a worship leader. Look, I'm going to probably say this about all of them, but okay. We as worship leaders like to look out and see the expression of worship upon people. It takes us to another place. But to see these, the celebration, it, it's when we find ourselves so moved by who God is that we could care less about what people think of who we are. It's when we get outside of ourselves and we don't care about others judging us and we just worship God crazily. It's when we get loud because of his mighty work. Because of his mighty name. This is more than shouting loudly for a sports team. 
but giving shouts of praise to our God. And I'm going to tell you this. It's a whole lot easier when we all do it than just one of us does it. And it's really a whole lot easier when we all show up at church and we all do it together. Amen? And it's even a whole lot easier when we start bringing other people in to encounter God with us. The next word. I kind of I skipped a page. The, the, these two, halal and then shabak, go together. Shabak is to shout loudly, to command. Psalm 106, 47 says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Shabak. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let the people say, Amen. And then that says, Praise, Halal, the Lord. So in this passage, we've got Shabak to shout, Praise to be clamorously foolish. And then one of the ones that we do more than anything else is Tehillah. And that's where I think, Tehillah, I don't know, just I'm, I'm a nerd. That's a funny thing for us, apparently. No one else, everyone's just looking at me going, huh? So, anyway, moving right along, the Amplified Version of the Bible in Psalm 22, 3 says, But you are holy. O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises, that's Tehillah, of Israel are offered. You understand that when we sing praises to God, He dwells there. He makes up a dwelling place in that realm in which we sing to Him, not about Him, not just randomly singing, but when we sing to him. In Psalm 34.1, it says, Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so he drove him out and he went away, I will, he says, bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is something I experience a lot personally. I rarely wake up without a song on my heart. I rarely go through the day without a song on my heart. I very rarely have a moment in which I'm not imagining or thinking of or expressing some form of a song within my moment that I'm sitting in. Psalm 66.2 says, Sing the glory of His name. Give Him glorious Tehillah. Praise. Tehillah means to sing, check this out, unrehearsed. Unplanned praises to the Lord. It can include adding words to an existing song or even singing in the spirit to the Lord. There's this time that Paul says, I pray in the spirit and then I pray in my understanding. I sing in the spirit And then I sing with my understanding. There's this idea that there's this realm of heavenly singing that takes place. This unrehearsed, unplanned moment. This Tehillah. What a powerful expression as we can stand together and we can begin to sing at the end of a song and take it to the next dimension. 
the next level. We might be singing that you, uh, there's no mountain you wouldn't climb over or whatever the words are to this song. You come after me and then we can go into a greater expression. You come after me, you come after me. And then the very next moment, Alana, we find ourselves in this moment of the song where he's embracing us. How does that happen? It's the Tehillah of God. It's, we could call it prophetic singing, call it singing in the spirit, call it just personal reflection in the moment of where you are in the presence of God. But this is honestly my favorite. I said my favorite is to look out and see you all expressing. My personal favorite is this, unrehearsed, unplanned. I can think of the moments in which we've gathered together uh, for nights of worship. We will do this someday very soon in this corporate body, but I can think of times where I'd plan six or eight songs for a two-hour set of worship, sing one of the songs, go for two hours and have not sung a neither, another written song, but sung the whole time in Tehillah. What a powerful expression into the presence of God. Number five, I'll probably pronounce most of these wrong, Tauda, I believe is the word. And this is just to extend hands, acting out of thanksgiving for what he has done. Psalm 50, 23 says, But giving thanks is a sacrifice that honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Wow. Tauda is a type of worship that includes extending your hands or raising them in thanksgiving for something that has been done or will be done. By way of application, it is apparent in the Psalms and elsewhere that it is used for thanking God for things not yet received, as well as things already at hand. It's in Tauda that we get to personally play out our moment of desired encounter with God in which our faith is moved. Faith is that moment in which we say, this hasn't yet happened, but I can see it starting to take place. I may not be walking in the manifestation of what I'm hoping for, but I'm going to extend my hands out knowing that it is coming. You see that? You see what's happening there? You see, if you ever come into this place of worship and you cannot seem to find the presence of God in what we are doing, by faith extend your hands out and begin in worship just to say, God, I want to know your presence. I want to know you in this place. By faith, I reach out as if I am welcoming what has already taken place in here, your promise of encounter. And watch how by faith, he will meet your desires in that moment. Number six, yada, Y-A-D-A-H. So one is this, the other is extending hands vigorously. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising, that's halal, him for his holy splendor. So they were going a little crazy. They were having that foolishness in their praise. And this is what they sang, give thanks Yada to the Lord. 
His faithful love endures. So not only were they acting a little crazy, but their hands were going crazy. You see that there's a visible, visible expression of worship that is seen through these words. People will see you worshiping. People will see that you worship. Listen, I'm not here to judge anyone. And I'm not here to say that somebody worshiping like this is not worshiping. But I'm also going to tell you that when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, the whole place will see that we're worshiping Him. There will be, listen, there, I'm, again, there are times that this is worship. And this is necessary because of what God is speaking to you and doing on your heart. But there comes a point when we need to move into a visible outward expression that God is doing something. And the last one, Zamar. This is what's getting ready to happen in a very outward expression in this place. A very, this, is the, this is the moment. This is to touch the strings, to make music with instruments. And this is done mostly rejoicing. So as Alana comes up, she's going to begin to zamar on the piano. And it says, praise him in Psalm 153 through 6. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud, loud, with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything, listen, let everything that breathes sing praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Zamar means to touch the strings. It involves rejoicing and making music to the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about the seven ways that we've talked about in worshiping in spirit and truth today. You can incorporate them into your personal and corporate worship. You can. You can do this. You can incorporate this into your personal and into your corporate expression. Remember, praising God is to be on our lips. It is to be spoken, and we are to do it continually as a sacrifice. We can find that in Hebrews 13, 15. God promises that when we praise and we worship Him, He inhabits or He is enthroned in those praises. And really big thing, in this expression of worship, this worship gives us strength. Gives us strength to defeat our enemies. I don't know about you, but I, I love a defeated enemy. The best thing we can do, we sang it We've sang it before in the song Surrounded. This is how we fight our battles. What we're saying, the this in that song, we haven't come right out and defined what that this is in the song. It's implied. Worship, praising God is the this. (laughs) Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, Should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, WLMiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.